This Vision Sunday, um, we, we spent um, a lot of uh, time um, talking about our, our purpose, our pulse, our pattern, and our plan. And um, I wanna, what I want to come and share with you today is essentially uh, the message that that came out of. I've not preached it here before, but it was something that God uh, spoke, has spoken to me about. And I want to bring that message to you. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw your attention to two scriptures that are about the same story. I actually love the fact that these are two different accounts of the same thing, which is just proving for me the authenticity of the story because any one of us, if we saw an event, we would uh, see and remember different things about that event. And essentially that's what Luke and Mark did. So we're going to start uh, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 8, and uh, it's about the woman with the issue of blood. And this is what the Bible says, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. No one could heal her. And she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people were crowding and pressing against you. So the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. And then he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Then as I say, the account slightly different from the book of the gospel of Mark, reading uh, Mark 5, reading from verse 24. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see... The people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you, ask, you, yet you can ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And I want to I talk to you today about the the power of the gospel. And this was what our purpose was uh, born from, to see people far from God transformed through the power of the gospel. To see people far from God transformed through the power of the gospel. And, and you know, I, you know I, I believe passionately in this because I believe 
that the impact of the gospel on our lives is not just due, due to the fact that one day I put my hand up in a meeting or I responded in a meeting and then I started going to church where I didn't go to church and I've stopped doing a few things that I used to do. I, you know, that, that is, it's, those are aspects of the impact of the gospel, but they are not the fullest impact of what the gospel could and should have on our lives. And what I love about this account, this, this Jesus encounter that changed everything. And I, I just used this uh, account as a bit of a platform to speak from in regard to some of the other aspects which I, I believe. There's a whole backstory. This is one, this message today uh, is, 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 um, embodies many, many messages in truth. But one of the things that fascinates me about this, of course, is that you can read this story. If you didn't understand the backstory, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't necessarily understand the power and the impact of this moment because this woman had been bleeding for 12 years. And according, according uh, to the law, that made her unclean. That means she could not associate with normal society. And in essence, absolutely could never have touched Jesus, who was considered to be a rabbi, a teacher. And uh, the, the, there are a couple of times I'm going to make reference to this woman because I just, I, I, I love who she is. Um, one, day, one day when we get to heaven, uh, I'm going to organize a, a coffee with her or something just to talk. Because she's a, she's a remarkable, remarkable woman. And the, the, the thing that I want to say is that, that the, the things that she does tell me something about her. Because she, she, had, she had spent, the Bible says, all she had on trying to get well. And yet she wouldn't give up. You know, there are many people who would just give up and say, you know what, forget it. Forget it. I've tried. I gave it my best shot. Um, but here I am. I'm not, I'm not just in the same position. I'm worse off than, than I was. And I just love the fact, she, the, the Bible says she heard about Jesus. My God. My God, she, she heard about, she heard something, there was something that happened inside her when she heard about Jesus. Because she could have had another reaction. She could have said, oh, you know, I don't want any of that stuff. You know what? I've, I've, I've spent all I've had, all I've got on, on trying to get well. I've, I've done everything. Just forget it. I, I, but she didn't. There was, there was this something in her that said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press in. She risked disappointment. She risked disapproval. Essentially, she risked death. I mean, she came, to a, she came to a point where she thought, well, you know, what have I got to lose? If I carry on like this, I'm going to die anyway. But just maybe what I've heard about Jesus is true. Just maybe Jesus can change my life. And of course, we know now from what we've read that this Jesus encounter indeed changed everything. And I believe is representative of what we should anticipate the impact of the gospel being on our lives, the impact of receiving uh, and responding to the gospel. This is what a Jesus encounter should do. Firstly, she was physically empowered because the Bible says she was healed. 
She was healed. The gospel was to impact our physical being. God brings order to my body. God brings, so, so the, the gospel impacts my physical body. I want to read um, something from 1 Corinthians in the message version. I just think it, it, in very simple English, it says some very powerful things. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church in the form of a letter, and the message version just puts it in simple English. And that's what, this is what the Bible says. He says, you know the old saying, first you eat to live and then you live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is only a temporary thing, but there's no excuse for stuffing your body with food or indulging it with sex. Since the master honors you with a body, honor him with your body. God honored the master's body by raising it up from the grave. He'll treat yours with the same resurrection power. Until that time, remember that your bodies are created with the same dignity as the master's body. You wouldn't take the master's body off to a whorehouse, would you? I should hope not. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As written in Scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the Master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with one another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't live however you please? Squandering what God paid such a high price for. The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. I mean, basically, that's it. I mean, it's, it's a very powerful thing. The Bible is saying what the Bible says. And, 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 and so I, I think it's an important thing to understand that God, the, the, the power of the gospel, the power of encountering Jesus in my life means that my body is impacted. So when I'm, when I'm uh, looking at what we should be looking for in, in how Jesus transforms people's lives, when we're looking for individual transformation, community transformation, family transformation, then we are looking that people will change the way they live. And, 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 and so clearly we're introduced to a Jesus who, um, who heals the body. We, we, we thank God for a Jesus who heals the body. Who, where, when we need a healer, Jesus is there to be our healer. And yet we're also in balance, pointed as followers of Jesus, as those who've had a Jesus encounter, to live in a way that honors the body we've been given. To treat the body we've been given with respect, not just treating it any old how. And so that means that discipleship, and, and, uh, 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 which is uh, from uh, the root word of discipline, means that Jesus wants us, he wants us clearly to watch what we eat, watch how much we drink, to, take some, to make sure that we take some exercise, to, to treat our bodies in a God-honoring way. The, 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 um, Paul teaches us there a right 
approach to, to the way we use our bodies and the right approach to sex because we live in a world with all kinds of ideas of what sex is and what sex should be and could be and, and all that sort of thing. But how good to come back to the Bible and say, this is, this is it. And we must, we must always understand that these standards never get diluted with the passing of time. No matter what society does, no matter what is going on out there, our standards, according to the gospel, remain steady. They remain true. They're as true uh, today as they were when the ink was still wet on the paper when it was written back then. And because we believe that, that God wants us to treat our bodies and honor it in a right way. And that means that if I call myself a follower of Jesus, then I've got, to, I've got to live in a different way than I otherwise might. The second area that we, we see was that she was emotionally empowered. So she was physically empowered, but she was emotionally empowered. God brings order to my emotions. I love actually the way the King James Version puts this when Jesus said to her, he said, be of good comfort. Be of good comfort, which actually means be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. You know, I believe that, that not, only was he, not only was he impacting a physical body in that moment, he was lifting a depression offer that her circumstances had brought her in. Because although we can celebrate the reality of a physical healing, based on what I said at the beginning, there was a, very, there was a great emotional impact of her circumstances because she'd been isolated. She'd been isolated from normal society. She'd been isolated from her family. She had, been, she had only been allowed to engage with people who were also unclean. And, and she had been impacted uh, by her isolation. You see, I just believe that when we have a Jesus encounter God wants us to live in good comfort. He wants us to be of good cheer. He does not want us. As a follower of Jesus, the impact of the gospel means I do not have to walk in fear. I may be used to I walk in fear. I, may, I do not have to walk depressed. Because maybe I was depressed, but because of Jesus, because of, 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 of finding this great and wonderful Savior, I no longer need to walk depressed or oppressed. Jesus said, it's almost like Jesus was saying, I've done something in your body, now let me do something in your mind. I love that. You know, um, I was at Heart and Soul uh, as, as, uh, talking, and I showed a, a picture, a wedding picture, which you're not going to get seen now, but um, the, the, the thing, that, the, the comment that I made there was that there was a bit of loss and gain. I'd uh, lost hair and gained weight. And but, but, which, but I reflected as I was preparing this that um, in truth, the, the, the fact that I was so thin on that wedding picture was not just because uh, 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 of youthful thinness. I, I had, I had um, a, a stomach condition that was produced by stress and anxiety. I was, I was full of stress. 
and, and, and anxiety, and it affected me, it affected my appetite, it affected, uh, 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 it affected so much of, of, of my physicality, which I won't go into now, but that was what was one of the reasons I was, I was thin. And the thing was that, that Jesus healed me of that, of that condition. He healed me of the thoughts that led to the condition, and he, had, he healed me of the physical uh, response to those thoughts. And he healed me, and he, he put me in a place where, uh, you know, where I was able to gain weight and be much healthier than I was. This is the impact of the gospel. I wasn't left as I was. Everything didn't happen overnight. It took time. It took time to, as I, as I grew in, in the things of God, as I'm growing in the things of God. The, do you know what? Let me tell you things. There are still things that I need to work through. There are still things that I'm working my way out of. I'm still not sorted. I know a couple of you are saying, well, we certainly knew that anyway, but... I'm still not sorted. I'm, I'm being sorted. I'm, God is, the gospel is continuing to have an impact in my life. The gospel is continuing to have a, an impact on the way I think. It's, it's continuing to have a, an impact on, 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 on the way I live and the way I walk and on my physicality. That is the power of, of the gospel. So this, this, this woman was affected in her um, emotions. However, I would want to say that, that she, she already showed a great attitude. She, she, um, she had a certain attitude, a certain right way of thinking. God give us more people like this. She, she, was a, she was a woman of faith in that she relentlessly pursued the woman she believed she could be. She relentlessly pursued the woman she believed she could be. Even though so much in life had knocked her back, even though so much in life had knocked her down, even though her circumstances consistently stood against her, consistently resisted her, there was something in her that believed she could be better. And it was that that took her to Jesus. It was that that, said, that declared, I'm still living in hope. I'm still believing. I'm still, I've, had, I've got a lot of history here that shows that I've got a lot of mess, but I'm still believing. I refuse to stop believing. If I have to die believing, I will die believing, but I will not let go. And she pushed through to touch Jesus. And she pushed through. She was a possibility thinker. Mark 5 says there, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. See, I, to me, those are really important things. Because she could have just as easily thought, oh, you know what, I'm unclean. What happens if it all goes wrong? Nobody wants me. I'm an outcast. It's, this is terrible. Why? I, I, I can't do that. I don't have the right to do that. I can't touch him. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. But she didn't. She, she, she thought to herself, if I just touch his clothes, and if you'll just allow me, because just to play off the different translations against one another to get something out of it. In Matthew 9, verse 21, in the New English Version, it says this, for she kept saying to herself, it's basically the same thing, but I want to say that. That she kept saying to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. 
And what I want to say to us is that what I think and what I keep saying to myself has a powerful impact on me, a powerful impact on my life, and a powerful impact on the way I relate to God. What I think and what I keep saying to myself, what I think and what I keep saying to myself, what do you keep saying to yourself? What do you keep saying to yourself? What do you keep thinking about? What do you keep meditating upon? What are the things that you keep saying to you about you? What are the things that you keep saying to yourself about God, about what he will do and what he won't do? What are the things you keep saying to yourself about your health or about your children or about your job situation? What are the things you keep saying about your finances? See, she was focused on Jesus and not on the opinions of the crowd. I think it's difficult to imagine the shockwaves that would have gone through the crowd when people realized who it was who touched Jesus. Because, because Jesus just focused on the fact who touched me. It wasn't just any touch. It was a touch of faith that, would, that drew power from Jesus. That's why he noticed it was a touch different from everybody else's touch. But she expected the miracle, the, the miraculous, and she received the miraculous. See, I love this. She says she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. See, that was her heart. That was her attitude. She didn't say, well, if I touch his clothes, who knows? I may be healed. She said, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. That's how she pressed through the crowd. That's how she touched them. That's how she thought. And she got the result of what she was thinking. Jesus then said to her, go in peace. Go in peace. He said, he said it's like he was saying, be free from the stress that your situation has brought you. In fact, one definition of, uh, of the, PC, the PC here in the original language is talking about when, he, when Jesus says go in peace, he's saying go in security, safety, prosperity, and felicity. Felicity is intense happy, happiness. Jesus wants you to be happy. Jesus wants you to be happy. He is the source of your happiness. We want to be happy happy. But you know what? There are many places where we seek happiness. We seek artificial happiness sometimes by, by what we're feeding ourselves, by what we're drinking, by what we're watching, by, uh, by retail therapy, by whatever your, as it were, drug of choice is. But those, those things are only short-lived. Jesus, Jesus wants us to understand that that's off ultimately is not. Now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with enjoying food and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with enjoying uh, going on a shop uh, for a shop. Don't overstate it. What I'm saying is but if that is the source, if, if, I, if that's the, my go-to place to make me, myself feel better, if that's the, the go-to place that I'm when I'm stressed and I need a drink or when, you know, when, when, I, when I'm stressed I'll, I'll have a, a pot of Ben and Jerry's or, or do you know what I'm saying? If, if that's my go-to place, then I've replaced Jesus with that. And that will never do what Jesus can do or what Jesus has done. So, the gospel 
impacts us physically. The gospel impacts us emotionally. I want to suggest she was also economically empowered. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, what I'm saying is that she spent all she had on trying to get well. Now, Jesus healed the thing that was draining her finances. So now, this Jesus encounter meant that that which had robbed her now no longer was going to rob her and she was going to economically be empowered. God brings order to her finances. She'd spent all she had on trying to get well, but now she was free to prosper. And I don't know, maybe some of you are thinking, well, what's he on about? You see, I, it's, it's just to me that the, the gospel isn't just about going to church. I love church, obviously. <laughs> I believe in the power of church. I believe in, in getting together. But I just think that we need to understand the gospel we're talking about impacts our whole life, all our life. It, it, it's, it's there to impact, impact my body and my mind and the way I think and the way I spend my money and, and, and the way I live because Jesus wants to give us a better life. It's not just the fact that I, I, you know, the difference between the way I used to live and the way I live now is that now I go to church and I didn't used to. Before I used to, sm uh, before I used to smoke, now I don't smoke. Before I used to do this, now I don't do that. No, it's not. It's so much more than that. We are meant to grow and, and to prosper and, and to do better because that is the power of a moment with Jesus. And I don't know, I, I just, um, I'm probably going to get myself in a world of trouble, but I just put this together. It just a gospel approach to finances. We're just having a teach. We've got a slide here. We're just having a bit of teach this morning. And, and like, if this is no good for you, then, but this is what, this is what I, I believe. This just came to me as I was preparing this week. That if we want, because our finances have such a big impact on our life, how, how, how can the gospel impact our finances? Number one, give to God tithes and offerings. Give to God what belongs to God. Get, if God is bringing order to my finances, I give to God what is His. Secondly, overhaul your spending priorities. Oops. Oh. Budget. Budget. We need to budget. Now, every one of these we could teach on. Every one of these... We could, we could talk through, and, and I would want to do that because my heart is to empower people to, to live, to, 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 um, to not allow generationally things to just repeat and repeat and repeat. Ah, this, I've got so much going off in me right now that I want to talk about, but I've got to be disciplined, you know, so that we've got to learn to budget. You'll be amazed how many people don't budget. Amazed. I mean, I know everybody here budgets. I know that. I'm just saying that other people out there, you'd be amazed how many people don't budget. Um, the, uh, a budget is not there to restrict you. It's to release you and to help you live your life more effectively. So, uh, thirdly, save. I noticed she spent all she had, which means she had something to spend, which meant she'd save something. And... This can be a very, I don't know, sensitive area. Let me, let me put your mind at ease. There have been many, many, many times. In fact, in fact, 
let me be completely honest, more times in my life that I've not been able to save than, than I have. And that's not because I'm talking about just random, ridiculous spending, and that's why I'm not able to be saved. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about just to live. Just to live, that's why we've not been able to save. So I know it can be a challenge. But I believe, and I know also, some of us who've really been around a long time and back in the day, we were actually taught that, it, it, you know, if you're saving for a rainy day, you're going to get one, so don't save. I just would like to suggest that it's slightly erroneous teaching. But the point is, I, I believe she, she was able to spend all she had uh, on, on, on trying to do the best she could. Jesus met her at the end of herself. I understand all that. That's a sermon in itself. But I believe that God doesn't want us to live on the edge. I can still live in faith. There's a whole subject in itself. I don't believe that Jesus had any problem with his storing in barns. The problem, the, the, the problem with the man who stored in bars was he wasn't generous. He didn't share what he had. He kept it to himself. It was about me and it's about my, uh, and I. And that was what God responded to. And I believe that, it's, that, that God wants us to be in a place where, uh, where, where, where we're able to save. The P is pay your bills. She paid the doctors. Pay your bills on time. E is easy on the credit. Try not to spend what you don't have. Because I, I think that we put ourselves under pressure. We live in a society where you've got to get it now. Everything's about getting it now. Everything is, is pointing you, putting your pressure on to get it now. And you know, I'm, listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you've got credit, I've got credit. You know, there are different forms of credit. But I'm saying that we've got to be aware of the expense of credit. Credit is a line on your budget. It means you're paying for it. And even, yeah, even when it's interest-free, you don't think for one minute, do you, that they've not slipped that in somewhere. But the point, the point that I want to make is that some of it is about delayed gratification. Maybe, maybe if I, instead of spending the money on interest, I saved, in the end I'd get it cheaper. But I just delayed it. And then, finally, the L of gospel, leave a legacy. What I mean by that is, Proverbs says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. And I've just put here, get, live in such a way that you can bless not only your children, but their children also. Because that means I live in a way where I'm seeking to bless generations. Now listen, guys, I come from as working class as you can get. I come from generations of people who didn't leave anything for the next generation. They just lived off what they got. They, they were born with nothing and they died with nothing. And I believe that, that we, we can be a blessing to the next generation. Now, you know, you're not, you might not be in a position to do that right now, but it could be something to think about. Say, God, help me. I'd love, to, I'd love to be able to leave something to my children. I'd love to be able to leave something to my children's children so that, so that I can be a blessing to the generations ahead. God, God, wants to, God wants to affect me economically. I believe that God wants to bless us. And he gives us the keys to, to live in a way that will release us. Is that okay? Does that help? And then, finally, she was socially empowered. 
So God affects us physically, emotionally, economically, and socially. In other words, God brings order to my relationships. The things that had alienated her from society and acceptance was removed. You know, the Bible has much to say about relationships. And a restored relationship with God has the potential to bring restoration and wholeness to all my relationships. Again, there's just so much to teach on this thing. You know, God talks about honoring your father and your mother. You know, I understand that that may not be a great area of relationship for you, but the onus upon me as a follower of Jesus, someone who's had a Jesus encounter, is that irrespective of the performance of those who've gone before, I honor. I honor. My responsibility is to honor. The Bible teaches a lot about marriage and, and children, and there's so I can't I can't even begin to go into that. But let me let me just take as the what I find fascinating is that uniquely Jesus called her daughter daughter and I just found that a very fascinating thing because she went from exclusion to being one of the family Jesus called her family the one who'd been unclean the one who'd been excluded the one who'd been isolated was now called family and God has a lot to teach us on the responsibilities and the privileges of our natural family, but we also have our spiritual family. God wants us to, to work as, as, as family. And, you know, I think that here, uh, you know, uh, in Timothy, Timothy 5, 1 Timothy 5, the Bible says this, never, never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. You know, the Bible gives us a code of practice that how we are to treat one another, how we are to relate to one another and speak to one another. And it's a code of, of ethics and relationship that it helps us to do family. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15 says, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. I believe that there are many fathers and many mothers who become father and mother through the gospel. There are people here, people here right now, people here in this house who are father and mother to children who are not their own, but they become children through the gospel. This is, this, is, this is family. This is the miracle of what the gospel enables us to do. And if ever there was a time in history, how much more do we need a gospel that helps people, draws people into a healthy representation of what family is so we can teach people how to live, so we can teach people how to do life, so we can teach people how to pass blessing onto the next generation instead of repeating the pain in the history. 
Proverbs 18 says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, the, 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 the impact of, of friendship. You know, the, the, there is actually a mandate that we show ourselves to be friendly. Um, but our, our friends have a, have a big impact on, on our lives. I've said it so many times from this platform. Your best friend is not the one you've known the longest. Your best friend is the one who brings out the best in you. And we need to make sure that the majority of people around our lives are the people who are encouraging us to be the person we were born to be. Not everybody has that role or place, but we need to at least make sure the majority are helping us, encouraging us, spurring us on to be the people that God wants us to be. So the gospel does not just give us religion. It has the power to impact my whole life, all my life, physically, emotionally, economically, and socially. God will bring healing and order. You see, to me, this is about God taking what I was, rewriting my history, and writing his story on my life. Take, see what I did there? Taking my history and rewriting his story on my life. That's what this is about. Because I know what I was. I know where I come from. I know what I would have been without my Jesus encounter. But now I've encountered Jesus. And now he's rewriting my story. I, right now, right now, I am living proof. My sister is in the meeting here. She's living proof that God can turn around generations of mess in a generation. The gospel has the power to turn around generations of mess in a generation. That is the power of the gospel. And that is what I believe. The power of the gospel is greater, much greater than the fact that I'm just coming to church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We all need it. It helps undergird and helps to sort out the other stuff. But God wants to sort out our whole life, all our life. This is the power of Jesus. This is the power of the cross. This is the power of the resurrection. This is what my God has done for me, and this is what my God will do for you. Come on, let's give him thanks.